0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. We are a podcast about the classical world, mostly education stuff. You know, uh, if if Aristotle was still running his academy here, then that's the sort of stuff you would talk about while at the academy. That's kind of what we're shooting for. Holy smokes. Holy, so, wow. high, high bar. I, I didn't say it was the stuff. Oh, I okay. said it was the sort of stuff. <laughs> the we're sort like of, the of, cheap yes. knockoff, yes. you know, Western family style yes. version of the, the good stuff. Like the community college of Aristotle's academy and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you call it? Um, I don't know. I got, I got nothing. I'm My wits. Yeah. Well, we're nailing it so far. Uh, my name is AJ Hannenberg I'm here with Graham Donaldson. Hello. And Thomas Magby. Hi. And we'd like to apologize for no episode last week. We're going to go ahead and apparently blame it on chickens and uh-huh. pigs living in close proximity. That's uh-huh. what Graham says disease comes from. But he was sick last week, so we couldn't record. Yeah. Otherwise, we could have recorded. Am I crazy?
1: Am I crazy? I feel like I'm yes. crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. You might be crazy. Uh I'll also say that there's been a huge, a a, a lot of people upheaval in our lives recently. Thomas bought a house, I yeah. bought a car, Graham got sick, and then all his trees fell down in it's the true. storm. So we've been trying to sort of recover from all of this. It's been a big year. My I hands think, smell and, like gas. I don't think that's related to no, anything no, else. It's because <laughs> I was chainsawing this morning. Okay, that makes gas. more <laughs> sense. Thank you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's like I'm
2: a, just a just very serious medical podcasting. condition.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, we, so we're sorry for the... In inconsistent episodes this year, it's just been a lot of change for us. And so stick with us. We're sticking with you. We're going to keep making episodes as much as we can, uh, even amidst the upheaval. Anyway, today we are back to our War of the Roses stuff from Mr. Donaldson over here. That's right. So Donaldson, take it away. Cool. What happened last time?
1: So last time, I'll (laughs) tell you where we ended last time. Uh, So last time where we ended was uh, where the cool guy named John Talbot died Mm -hmm. in battle. The guy would never wear oh, armor. Oh, the no, no armor guy. I remember. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. So he didn't yeah. wear armor, and he died in battle, and that essentially ended any English foothold in France. He died on a horse, right? He died on a horse, and then some dude axed him in the head. Oh. But the mm. French thought he was so awesome that they erected a monument right there, and it's still there to this day. And they're like, "This guy is amazing," and so <laughs> um, they put up the monument. And uh, but they cut up, but his men cut out his heart and brought it back to uh, Shrewsbury. No. Shrop, shropsport I don't know where. I it was
0: wonder from. if that's what they tell the English, but the French actually erected it because they're like this idiot wasn't yeah. wearing armor. Yeah. This is a monument to the biggest idiot in the world, and they can't read French, so <laughs> like, what's a monument for? Well, it's, we like him, I guess. Uh, Shrewsbury, first, Shrewsbury, first Earl of Shrewsbury. There you go. So
1: they took his heart home. Anyway, so when news came back to England, and Henry found out that that the um, that the battle was lost and that Talbot was dead, Henry went essentially kind of comatose. The way that it was described at the time was... Or, no, the way that people... I've heard other historians talk about it was he sort of went into a coma. But a coma where he was, like, sitting and he could still, like, answer basic questions. But he wouldn't recognize things. He was completely emotionless. He had sort of no agency to do anything. He just sort of sat quietly. And so imagine being his close advisors, or Margaret, his wife, the Queen of England, who was pregnant at the time. So there's this great joy because she was finally going to give birth. Everybody, deep down, they knew it was going to be a boy, they hope. Um, and uh, because uh, as soon as you have... Uh, she gives birth, and if it's a boy, then the Duke of York's claim to the throne is like watered down. He's definitely not number two in, in, in line to the throne.
2: Right.
1: And sort of it resolves a lot of political problems. But the king... Sort of hears the news and is in shock. Okay, fine. Maybe he's in shock for the afternoon. It's a pretty big deal. You set him to bed with his supper, and uh, you check on him the next day. Next day, not any better. Okay, I mean this is this is this is a big thing. Next day, not any better. Days go by, n- no change. Weeks go by, no change. So they kind of had to hide this from everybody. Now, if you remember, the king of England, Henry VI, his grandfather was the king of France who was mad, who, who was known as the mad king. The guy who thought he was a window painter. The guy who yeah. thought he was a window, the guy who's, when he had his bouts of, of madness, the first time it started, he sort of snapped and slew his friends. Uh, they were riding in you know the French countryside and he kind of snapped and he killed a bunch of guys of his best friends until people stopped him and were like man and then sort of held him and then they they actually locked him in the castle and he was so violently crazy that they would actually brick up the 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 doors to the castle and leave him there and like go check on him every couple of weeks and he was naked and foaming and, like, Do they
0: just... know why he went bananas? Was it, like, mercury poisoning? No, nobody or... knows. Um, I mean, I'm sure there Inbreeding are modern... or something? Hmm? Inbreeding in at all? I don't know. Modern historians have, have sort of maybe tried to do some kind of
1: psychoanalysis, diagnosis, um, but it's a lot of pressure, being king. Like,
0: this is a lot of ways on you. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a tough job. Tough gig. Yeah, but my solution wouldn't be your naked friends. bricked into a tower. Yeah. Fair. I would maybe, like, bail and take up blacksmithing or something. Mm -hmm. So, I mean,
1: no one really knows, but there's obviously some sort of strain of um, sort of cognitive or mental fragility in the line. So this is through Henry VI's mother, who was the daughter of the king of France. And, of course, his father was Henry V, um, the awesome, awesome king. So he, and everybody knows this, right? Everybody knows that his grandfather was, you know... I uh, had was uh, was bouts of madness, so everyone was like, "Oh man, oh no!" Henry's already been already been a little a little weird, but here he is, and he is not basically cogent. He's not moving. Well, you can kind of keep that under wraps for a while, um, but there were some problems. So eventually, Margaret gave birth to a boy. Hey, it's a boy, and so this solves lots of political problems, and she gives birth to her son, who they named Edward, on perhaps the the day of the best omen for a king to be born ever, October 13th, the Feast of St. Edward, and St. Edward is St. Edward the Confessor, Mm -hmm. who was king of England, and um, so he's born on the feast day of St. Edward the Confessor, and they obviously named that kid Edward, so... They're dope. They're 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 stoked that they've got this kid. She brings this long-awaited child. And of course, Edward the Confessor is Henry VI's favorite king because he was very pious. He ended up being a saint. And Henry VI is very pious. And and he, if he had his comeuppance, would go and be a monk and not be a king. So she brings little wiggly baby Edward to Henry VI, and he's like, oh, nice baby, and pats it on the head and then continues to stare in the corner.
2: So no response.
1: No response to, and she's like, "This is your son," and nothing. People are getting a little nervous. Um, uh, uh, Somerset, the big arch enemy of the Duke of York, but the queen's uh, the queen's ally. Somerset becomes the godfather to little baby Edward, um, and there's a baby. Like everyone knows that Margaret had a kid, so you need to have some kind of like public showing, and the king's got to be there, all jolly and happy. And you can't, you know, if if the king doesn't show up, people are going to start whispering that that stuff's going on. Now, the king not being present is also a legal and political problem. So it's not just that the king is like the prime minister. And if you have a legal, if you have a a strong legal mind king, he is going to reign well. And if you've got like a, a poorly legal mind king, you can kind of just like sandbag him and continue on with the business of government. He quite literally needs to be present at, at parliament f- for things to be official. Mm-hmm. He needs to sign documents. Everyone is basically appealing to him and he needs to be like thumbs up and nod and say like, yes, this is what I agree. We are going to do this. And so if he is not present in parliament, they can't just keep running the country. Things are, lit, are, are going to shut down politically. Um, you can't just be like the king is indisposed, the king is indisposed and – like signed documents,
2: mm.
1: can't happen. So they uh, realize that that something's going to go to a head, and they need to pick somebody in charge. Meanwhile, and uh, there is there are these two families in the north of England who hate each other, the Percy's and the Nevilles, and the Percy's and the Nevilles have been these fierce rivals in throughout the English countryside for generations, um, and they had a recent flare up. Um, there was like I think one of the families had a uh, it was either the Percys had a wedding or the Nevels had a wedding and they were having a big old you know like, happy wedding and then the other side showed up so I think it was the Percys having a wedding and the Nevilles showed up like all drunk and kind of wrecked the wedding and were being rude and tempers rose and like you know hands were thrown no one was killed but there was kind of a dust up this wedding, and is that the kind of vague basis for the red wedding in. No, the Converse. red Wed- the red wedding I'm sure is based I'm pretty sure it's based on um, an event that happened in France. Oh, really? Okay. And I'm pr- uh, the the slaughter of the I think it's based on the slaughter of the Huguenots. Just based, based on how oh. yeah, I think it's how this what the red wedding's based on.
2: Okay. But okay. anyway, or maybe I'm wrong. Just maybe it's question.
1: based on this. But anyway, they showed up and uh thrown hands and um, the, they were, they are noble enough families that other equally, no, there's no one sort of higher than them than the king. So there's no, their equal noble families can't come and be like, guys, you got to like lock it up and chill out and figure this out. No, no, only the king can kind of stop this, can come in and tell them to smarten up. And so this big dust up happens and like, all right, well, the king's got to go take care of this. The king's got to kind of mediate and, and sh- have a show of, of, of uh, royal force to lock to, to, to stop this thing but of course our king is, in dis- is is in the tower not in the tower he's you know uh, indisposed he's he's um, comatose. Um, staring he's in the comatose corner. staring yeah. in the corner so no one can keep it secret any longer everybody knows that the king is unwell and so um, we need to have some kind of council somebody needs to be put in charge. The queen immediately says, Somerset should be regent, Somerset should be in charge, and Somerset's like, I think that's a great idea. Um, So Somerset kind of um, uh, um, takes over the reins to be in charge for a little bit. Well, who is not going to be thrilled with this decision? Who's his enemy? Somerset's mortal enemy, who they hate each other.
2: uh, You said it just a second ago.
0: Was it those two families? No, the Duke no, of York, Duke, yeah. Duke of York. Oh, okay. Remember, this, this the War of the Roses between yes. the Yorks and the Lancasters. So I'm trying
1: to keep track. Right. Right. there's these a lot of names. names. All right, so yeah. Duke of York, he, uh, him and Somerset are not friends. If you remember, the Duke of York's buddy like stole Somerset stuff, and then his buddy had to go to the the, the monastery, and um, right, wasn't there some guy hiding in a church for a while? That's right. Yeah. Yes. yeah okay. So Somerset is the queen's ally. And the Duke of York, who has the closest claim to the throne, thinks that Somerset is too close to the crown, and he thinks that a weak king is is definitely a problem, and Somerset is not to be trusted because they lost France. This is the big thing. So Henry VI, because of his mismanagement, gave it to Somerset. Somerset, like, kind of wasn't really paying attention to France, gave it to John Talbot. John Talbot lost it. Everyone in England is upset. Duke of York is not happy that Somerset is going to be in charge. Now, up to this point, this has all been a political rivalry. Um, the the worst thing that's happened has been a couple of, like, whoa, whoa, whoa uh, bro-offs in the streets at Parliament. Mm-hmm. Between and the two guys, the, the, like, two guys' cronies, right? That's right. Mostly. Be- was well, even some, the two actual guys. Between some cronies, and then also uh, that one dude, whose name I can't remember right now, from the last episode. Who went to the church. Who stole Somerset's stuff, and then went to the church, and then Somerset... And the king gave that guy's stuff to the Tudor boys. Anyway, so you can go back and listen to that old old episode, listener, for that story. Um, So, so far, we haven't had any big dust-ups. If you remember, we were about to have a dust-up, but then they decided instead they were going to have an an
0: awesome parade. I remember. That's right. All right,
1: cool. If you like awesome parades... There's another one in this I'm episode. I'm a sucker for so, yeah. a parade. I so. feel like
0: if there was ever an autocrat that took mm-hmm. over the US and he would you know, it was full tyranny. Yeah. As long as that dude threw parades, <laughs> you'd be, <honest. laughs> be like, you so, know, he's not such a bad guy. So they've got one in this episode that they call the Love Day just to like try
1: to convince everybody that everything's cool. They call it Love Day. I'm in. Yeah, so they they have Love Day. All right, we'll get to Love Day. Is there Day. a parade on Love Day? There's a parade on Love Day. Best of all things. And, they, <laughs> and the, Oh, man, I don't want to ruin it, but it's, it's pretty great. Henry VI has an idea that he thinks is going to heal the nation, and he calls it Love Day, and people are like, oh, okay. Right, hey. that, that's, that's, that's starting to kind of get a little sketchy. Yeah. okay. okay. Yeah. So anyway, so Somerset is sort of angling to be in charge of Regency. Duke of York, not happy. Duke of York gets all of his buddies, and everybody, to, they get to this council to decide who is going to be regent while the king is indisposed. York's closest ally, the Duke of Norfolk, um, is incensed that France was lost under uh, Somerset's and, the, and Henry VI sort of time in charge mm-hmm. and that uh, John Talbot lost everything. And he stands up and he basically gives this Hail Mary speech. It, he, it, it, this was pretty like boilerplate speech standing up and saying like, this is why Somerset sucks. He lost France. Because he lost France, we should lock him in the tower. He shouldn't be in charge. He gives this, like, big old speech that's kind of, you know, an expected speech. And of course Norfolk's going to give this fiery speech against Somerset, but everyone's just going to roll their eyes and move on. Well, somehow, everyone kind of, like, listens to the speech and was like, actually, Norfolk, your passion is infectious. And all the people there were like, you know what? Maybe Somerset should go to jail for a little bit. Like, losing France was a big deal. And so Norfolk's speech actually worked. He gave this big old fiery speech that was probably more of a formality than anything. And everyone was like...
2: You make some good points.
1: Dan's got, did, guy's got a point. Yeah. Uh, maybe Somerset should
0: go to jail. And my thesis students let this be a lesson to yeah. you on the power of rhetoric. Re- yeah. <laughs> <It works. laughs> I don't know of two times when a speech has sort of changed... Changed things, right? Mm -hmm. Antony's speech after Caesar's death, Mm -hmm. and now this one. And now this one. So the Duke of Norfolk gives a
1: speech. I don't know if we have any of it. I think it's just sort of loss to history. But people at the end of it are like, pfft. Yeah, yeah, that's he's that's pretty point. good. Yeah. So Somerset is immediately thrown in prison just yeah. by the they council They do it. Wow. They do
0: it right there. Man, the legal system seems know. to be totally well, whack king, if it can be swayed yeah. by a single. The, speech. the king is, you know, he's indisposed, and so they were like, <laughs> so the laws are just—it's
1: a grab bag. Well, again, here. this is kind of the problem. So the Duke of York—they put him in charge. So the Duke of York is going to be regent, and um, nailed it. He 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 got it. He was sort of—you uh, can imagine everyone sort of being shocked that it worked. It's <laughs> yeah, um, like I didn't really. We made that an to... appeal for me to be in charge, and my enemies agreed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Queen Margaret immediately upset, not happy. Her closest ally Somerset is in jail, and uh, into the Duke of York's regency, she proposes a piece of legislation, and it was called. It's not exactly called this, but it's something like this: like Meghan the Meghan. Queen should be in charge legislation. <laughs> like it's something called that.
2: Right.
1: It's like the Queen Margaret should be in charge legislation. Arguing that women have been in charge in England before, okay. which has which has been true, sure. back in history, especially during times of um, when the king has been indisposed or ill, his his um, she's taken charge. She has a son who is going to be the king, so she is the regent of her of her son Edward. And so, if she is sort of the the regent of Edward, she should be regent of the realm, and Edward should be king if the king is indisposed, and she should be sort of in charge through her son, have her son take the throne and her in charge. It's and kind she, of a bummer
0: that she sort of has to appeal through know, his power
1: to do it. I know, but. and so she proposes this legislation. And remember, she was from a place where her father was in charge of all these lands but had been in jail for Italy like most of her life. And so her mother had ruled in her father's stead. And so she's grown up in Anjou seeing women rule these honor-bound M- uh, male-dominated sort of, like, tribal relations. So she's seen it work. So she's seen it work, and she definitely has the ability to do it. Um, and people kind of know this, but Duke of York's, um was like, thank you for your legislation. We will read it and denied. Promptly Binned. it. Yes, and right. so it was binned. Nope. Uh, sorry, Queen. Uh, Duke of York is going to stay in charge while um, Edward is indisposed, and we will pray that Edward comes back and snaps out of it. The Duke of York gets in charge, and to his credit, he's actually pretty conciliatory. Um, he is—he quiets down the Neville and the Percy debate. I'm pretty sure he's on the Neville side of things. Yeah, he's on the Neville side of things, and the Percys are on the Lancaster side of things, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, he is—so he's sort of more favorable to the Neville's, but he comes down and he quiets this whole thing with the Neville's and the Percy's, and— um, his son-in-law, who's very – is one of the – I think is a Neville and is very fiery and, like, just wants to stab every Percy he sees. He actually ends up throwing his own son-in-law in jail um, because of how violent he is in this affair. Everybody's thinking Duke of York's in charge. His son-in-law is on one side. He's going to favor yeah. him. No, he throws his son-in-law in jail. His daughter's probably either upset or – thankful maybe she doesn't want her her husband around so um <laughs> <laughs> he's that much of a problem Yeah, like. just throw him in jail
0: <laughs> um and so his violent son-in-law is in jail and I mean, he, a, this yeah. is all a pretty good tactic right if you're gonna take power and there are some warring factions and you're everyone's guessing you're gonna side with one place if you can make peace with everybody yeah then you are my, i don't know the support for you grows that's right yeah now the only person he was not conciliatory in any way
1: to was somerset so at this point, it's pretty obvious. The guy, he's, isn't he in jail? Yes. He yeah. just pers- hates. He personally hates Somerset and all of Somerset's people. All of the Beaufort family because he's um, – he's uh, uh, the, the Somerset is a Beaufort. Um, and so he hates Somerset personally. It's a personal thing. And so Somerset's in jail and they don't the, – the Beaufort family doesn't get anything conciliatory. Um, uh, the Beauforts, if you remember, are – they're a really powerful family. They're one of the richest families in England. There is um, uh, Somerset in jail. He has a daughter, sorry, a, a niece named Margaret Beaufort, who is the richest heiress in England. She is perhaps the most eligible bachelorette in the entire realm, has the greatest fortune. But she's only 12 years old, so she's not ready to get married. Yeah. But this is a powerful family that the Duke of York is not, does not like. Anyway, he, so Somerset's in jail. Duke of York is really conciliatory. He quiets the waters of the Percy-Neville feud. He kind of uh, starts to dispense justice. All the grumbly boys about France, um, he ends up personally taking over Calais to try to, um, that's their last little baby foothold in France, right in the north, um, to try to maybe hold onto that and to uh, use it to maybe uh, have some sort of future invasion. Duke of York comes in and calms everything down. Um, and this is, you know, so, uh, Edward was born on October 13th, and, uh, and he's in charge, and then on Christmas Day, Christmas Day, Henry VI snaps out of it. He's back. He's back, and he kind of wakes up, and he sort of has a, like, you know, one of those comical, like, B-movies, like, how long was I out? Like, <laughs> right, one of those things. Whoa. He's Yeah, so he's like, how long was I out for? And they were like, um... A while <laughs> I believe it was fifteen months, Ooh. is how long he was out for. He's um, like, I got a kid now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he's been out, and he has a child. And then they bring the child to him, and I'm really just see what Churchill says. Um, um, here we go. This is what how Churchill describes Henry coming back to uh, to consciousness uh, on Christmas Day, fourteen fifty four. Um. When he seemed to have sunk into a permanent imbecility, he suddenly recovered. At Christmas, 1454, he regained all his faculties. He inquired whether he had been asleep and what had happened. Meanwhile, Margaret showed him his son and told him she had named him Edward. Hitherto, he had looked with dull eyes upon the infant. Every effort to rouse him had been in vain. Now he was as good as he had ever been. He held up his hands and thanked God, and, according to the Paston letters, he said, He never knew till that time, nor wist not what was said to him, nor wist where he had been while he had been sick till now. He sent the almoner to Canterbury with a thank offering, and declared himself in charity with all the world, remarking that he only wished the lords were too. So, Henry comes so back. So, he's back in super so, pious. So, he's back in super pious. He gives a big old, um, uh, he gives a big old uh, thank offering to Canterbury. He's like, hey, here's some cash. Uh, go pretty up the church. Uh, go sing some songs for my boy and for me. And Henry is in charity with all the world. Um, Henry's Henry's back. And he's like, okay, so what's happening, you know. Remember, he's not the ableist politician or he's not the, the sharpest legal mind, um, but he's like, he's inquired as to what's happening. And Margaret's like, they threw Somerset in jail and Duke of York's in charge. And Henry's like, why is Somerset in jail? And it was like, well, there was this like dope speech that was that Norfolk gave and everyone got all fired up and Henry's like, nope. And he immediately reverses it. Somerset that day out of jail. Uh, Duke of York And is, Somerset is livid. Yeah, Somerset is not a happy boy. Uh, and the Duke of York... Um, The the king thanks him for his service, but you are no longer needed. Your regency is done. Go back to Wales or go back north. We don't need you. Um, And Somerset comes out of jail, goes to the king. He's like, hey, can I have Calais back? And the king's like, I didn't even know you lost it. Yep, Calais is yours. So in an afternoon, Richard, Duke of York, on Christmas Day, Merry Christmas, uh, loses the regency, loses Calais, and kind of is sent back, um, to, you know, his home. Uh, in Even a, though he did pretty decent like, service? He did pretty decent. You know, he was thanked for it. Yeah, exactly. He was like, good job, thank you, but I don't need you anymore.
0: And then they took stuff
1: from him. Yeah, and no, they don't take stuff from him. But they're just like, go back to Ludlow Castle. That's his home. Okay. Go back to Ludlow. We don't need you anymore. Uh, you know, go, you know, manage your estate and the king's back and Somerset's my boy and Calais is his and I'm going to continue to rule and raise Edward to be the next king. Duke of York is not happy. And with with especially since, and the big kicker is that Calais goes back to Somerset, and Richard thinks that Calais is going to be lost. We're never going to get France. He hates Somerset, and he thinks that Somerset is like bewitched the queen and king, and that he is a problem. And the Duke of York goes up and he raises an army up north.
2: Well, yep. man, yes, that so guy. he
1: raises an army, giving speeches, raising under, armies under the guise that we need to save the king from his evil advisors. The king has wicked advisors that are turning his head. Guys, we all know that our our wonderful pious king, God bless him, who loves the Lord and loves the church and loves the realm, and we love him, but he is so impressionable that he has these wicked counselors just whispering in his ear, like uh, Wormwood in uh, Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, is yep. that that guy's name? Yeah. Wormwood. So. Mm-hmm. And it's it's got that thing going on. Wormwood is just you know, spewing out garbage in the king's ear and his, you know, the queen is kind of uh, uh, cool with it and, you know, she's French. So um, we need to rescue the king from these advisors. So he raises an army, something he's done before. He's brought troops to London to like sort of rattle the cage. Mm -hmm. And so he's bringing an army and he starts coming down towards London. Um, Somerset and everybody hear about this. Um, and, uh, they raise an army and they march towards, somewhere towards Duke of York's army. So we've got Arby's coming. Um, you say Arby's? Ar- no, Arby. Oh, man. I
0: heard Arby's. Where's Did the you? beef? I heard
1: Arby's. We got... If beef. we got Arby's coming, this is gonna Arby's on be- the, the way. I'm, I'm, I'm so in. excited. Um, so, yeah. Love Day, <laughs> <laughs> parades, Arby's? Arby's? Yeah. We never had Arby's in Canada, but we would get American ads, so I would see ads for Arby's. And, uh, I, to this day, I've never actually had any. Oh. It's just like,
0: meat. thinly shaved beef, right? With, like, yeah, gravy on it. extreme it? meaty burgers. Yeah, yeah, But with no actual burger, just sort of meat. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like you went to a deli and asked yes. them for a burger, and they gave you what they had. <laughs>
2: yes, that's exactly right.
0: But hot. Okay. That's Ooh. not bad. <laughs> We're selling you know. on it. Yeah. Anyway, so the Duke of York, he's got his
1: buddies. He's got um, Norfolk, who gave that fire speech, I think. Um, yeah, he's got... Um, uh, He's got uh, his his other good buddy named Warwick, who's going to be a major player in this next chapter. Um, and the Duke of York's bringing his guys down, and the king, uh, is like, This can't you know, this isn't cool, you can't bring an army. Um, and so he goes and he gathers all the rest of the lords. I'm just going to read them out, um, uh, here. This so this is taken from Dan Jones's War of the Roses. So these are the people that come, um. So uh, the letter was sent. Hey, man, the Yorkists are coming down. By the time the letter reached the, uh, this guy, the king's party had left Westminster. The men around Henry hardly consisted of a partisan group. The king was attended by men as diverse in their political outlooks as his faithful half-brother, Jasper Tudor, Earl of Pembroke, the Percy Patriarch, so Big Daddy Percy mm. of the Percys and Nevilles, Big Daddy Percy, Henry Percy, Earl of Northumberland, the independent-minded Humphrey, Duke of Buckingham. Uh, the former Yorkist ally, Thomas Cour- uh, Courtenay, uh, Earl of Devon. So somebody who was on the York side before. A A who was like, this isn't cool, you can't raise an army. And he went with the king, Earl of Devon. And the Earl of Salisbury's brother, William Neville. Lord uh, Falkenberg. So he's got a Percy and a Neville in his army, stopping Duke of York. So this is clearly like a group that they don't see eye-to-eye on things, but they do see eye-to-eye on the fact that York should not be raising an army against the king. This is treason. So totally bipartisan art of efforts here. Um, Reaching across the aisle. Reaching across the aisle, bringing bringing people together uh, with mutual hatred of a common enemy, Uh, the way that all great friendships work. Um, Anyway, so... They march off towards meet the Duke of York, and all this time the Duke of York has been saying, I am going to save the king, not be the king. But there was plenty of people in his army that were like, oh, yeah, exactly. You don't want to be the king. <laughs> Wink. Right. And he's like, no, seriously, I don't want to be the king. To Duke of York's credit, he never claimed he wanted to be the king, but there was definitely people in his army that were like... He's lying, right? Maybe, maybe. Because
2: he got kicked out of being regent. He got kicked
1: out of being regent. But, of course, he's worried that Somerset is driving the country into the ground and that he should be
0: but raising the country up.
2: Hmm? But Somerset hasn't actually done that, has he? Well, he, he? lost France. No, he lost France. Yeah. Yeah. But and if that's part of your before, country, that's like yeah, losing yeah.
0: New Mexico. Exactly.
2: Like that's, I don't know. That's not a reason. I don't know. He he already got thrown in jail for that. And then he, he did. And out, then so. he got
0: out. Yeah. yeah
1: so. so yes, I, I I read this also as a Duke of York is offsides on this right. one. Yeah.
2: Anyway, so he's he's
1: out of pocket. He's out of pocket. So he's coming down. He's like I'm trying to save the king, not be the king. So they all get the armies. Kind of get to. These aren't, like, massive tens of thousands of armies. These are men-at-arms, maybe, like, a couple of thousand on each side. And they get to um, this town. This Basically, it's, like, a suburb outside of London called St. Albans. And um, York gets there first, and he kind of camps outside St. Albans. And the king gets there later, and they move into the town. So they're, like, in a—imagine, like, a small English village— um, with like a pub and you know like you like a like a blacksmith house with streets and everything and, and a tavern and the king's troops are st- like chilling out in the square of Saint Albans city town they left Margaret at home she wanted to come but they're like ah this one sounds like it may be a kind of violence so you have to stay at home and she's like fine uh, so she was kind of upset she wanted to come because she's mad at the Duke of York um, and Somerset and you know this is this is seems to be This may be the thing where the Duke of York has gone so offside that we can put an end to this right now. Margaret wanted to be present. They left her at home. All right. Henry VI actually does something very smart. He has Somerset currently as the head of the army, but that means that Somerset and the Duke of York are going to talk to try to, like, hash out a, a peaceful negotiation. And Henry VI, like, that seems like a bad idea. Like in movies where they ride out to the middle that's of the field, right. right? And Henry VI seems like that's, like, a bad idea. So he actually demotes Somerset in the field and puts Humphrey, Duke of Buckingham, uh, the independently-minded Humphrey, Duke of Buckingham, in charge. So Oh, I hope he flip-flops. He does not flip flop. (laughs) Okay. But the Duke of Buckingham. I was hoping that York
0: would give such an impassioned speech to be like, yes, you are correct, and switch sides.
1: No, Duke of Buckingham, they decide
0: that um, instead
1: of Somerset, he's going to send Humphrey to go and negotiate to York. Uh, Humphrey's a man's man, York's a man's man. Maybe they can, like, you know, hash it out, uh, uh, bro to bro. And so Somerset stays behind. Meanwhile, the people of the village of St. Albans are like, oh dear, this looks bad. And And you really don't want to clean all that up. Exactly. So they start barricading their houses. They start, like, turning over their tavern tables and putting them in front of the doors. Um, And they basically, like, barricade the little town. And, like, the tanner, he's, like, holed up in his house. And uh, uh, the the bar that's there, the inn that's there, they're all sort of, like, putting the china away, right? Like, they're trying to... They're preparing for a dust-up. And they've basically barricaded... Um, they have this big barricade. On one side is the king and his allies, and the other side is the Duke of York, and, like, a bunch of tables in between. So this isn't, like, a majestic, like, riding out into the field of battle. This really looks like like a, like a bar fight. Anyway, um, <laughs> so they have all these tables turned over as barricades, and um, the Duke of York, they're ready to roll. They got their armor on. They're, like, chomping at the bit, and on the other side, the king, they are, like, all right, well, there's gonna be, like... Hours of negotiations, so—and they're all barricaded. They're behind the barricades. They're definitely not going to attack. So they're sort of half-armored and sitting around and kind of waiting to see other negotiations. that seems like well. a bad idea. It is a bad idea. Anyway, so the Duke of York and, and, and Humphrey, Duke of Buckingham, get together, and they start to negotiate. And they're talking and they're talking. They're going back and forth. And meanwhile, hot-headed Warwick, who's one of the Duke of York's allies, is sitting there, and he's like, This is boring. And he's sitting there, and he is all armored up, and um, so he starts, like, lobbing insults to the king's guys, you know, saying things like, oi, and just, like, you know, being, being crass. you got a
0: snotty nose. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and, um, and there are some, some words that are exchanged. Um, some chirping goes back and forth between both lines and eventually something is said and the uh, and Warwick is like that oh nope that does not stand come on boys and he basically like Leroy Jenkins into the battle. <laughs> so he so if, if, if people who do not know what that um, reference is he essentially gets his guys puts on his armor and Charges. goes crashing charging into the barricades. So now the negotiations don't matter. Negotiations so Duke of York's like, gosh darn it, Warwick. And so he's standing there watching Warwick like, and, and running into it. His men are chanting, are chanting, Warwick, Warwick, as they go running into St. Albans. Yeah. And they crash into the barricades, and they start, like, you know, smashing each other with the swords and, and, and slashing and whatnot. And all the peasants are like, oh, it's my table. You know, they're <laughs> freaking out. Um, that was me granddad's yeah. table. Um, so Warwick got bored and started attacking. And Thomas... Lord Clifford who is the head of the defense so this guy named Clifford had a big red dog um, yeah right. big red yeah, he, he is a big red dog so the big uh, red dog is defending
0: is he really no he's not oh. so Thomas Lord why Clifford why did you disabuse him really illusion? I thought you were I thought in my defense <laughs> I thought you were saying that he is what the big red dog was based on no I don't Clifford think so Clifford the big red dog like he had red, red armor or something <laughs> yeah, I and I was really excited I have no for idea. half a second that would be great I, I have had the I best day podcasting day right we have yeah. parades yeah. we've yeah. got like the, Clifford the big red dog the, Clifford the big red dog origin story we've I was so excited. No, maybe he is. Did he, did he at least have, can we? you at least tell me, and I don't want the truth here, tell me that he had a big red dog? Yeah, there incredible. was a big red dog there. That's oh, right. Okay, and it was hiding right. underneath the tables
1: fantastic. during the was Battle of St. Albans, And cute. he was adorable. Oh, fantastic. But he was
0: so big that he could only get his head under the table
1: was a little wiggly butt. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, right.
0: okay, continue.
1: Okay. I'm happy. So Thomas Lord Clifford, who's the head of the defense, he is not even in his armor yet. And his men aren't even in their armor yet. And they're like, all right, boys, we better start suiting up. And this is not like putting your armor on in like 40 seconds. Right. This is like a 20 minute affair. Right. So they're like, all right. Lots of snaps. You guys need to hold the line for the next half an hour. (laughs) So he tells his guys, like, hold the line for like at least the next 20 minutes so we can armor up. And they're like... Okay, <laughs> um, and it did not happen. As Warwick comes crashing, Warwick through Warwick came full crashing armor. through, and and like almost instantaneously, bursted through the line, and all of the king's men are not wearing armor, including the king. Mm. Oh, so the Battle of St Albans ends up being a rout. So the, it is now fighting. So Duke of York's like, all right, sorry Buckingham, and he goes back and he puts on his armor, and off they go, and they're fighting, and everybody's fighting. The king takes an arrow in the neck. Mm. Doesn't die. It basically just grazes his neck, and um, this is apparently the first time that our pious king ever swore in his life. But the but the word that he said was "forsooth," <laughs> That's which is a swear? it is a swear because it, it means it sort of like isn't true, you know, in truth. And he he apparently thought it was a bad word to say forsooth. Mm-hmm. And did
0: everyone think forsooth was bad? I
1: don't know, but he did. And no um, so idea. he got okay. it in the neck. I mean, neck. that changes a little mm-hmm. bit of Shakespeare for yeah, you. It? And yeah. so according to um, one of the chroniclers, the king got shot in the neck and swore, forsooth and forsooth, ye do foully to smite a king anointed so, said Henry VI. Okay. So he got shot in the neck and he is forsoothing in the, uh, himself right there. <laughs> And, swearing a blue streak yes, down the... And one of the tanner, the tanner, one of the little peasant tanners sees that the king got hit and goes out and grabs the king and brings him into his tannery to hmm. get him out of the battle. Battle. So the king is like half armored with an arrow scratch on his neck. The king has never seen battle. He is, you know, he just came out of his, out of his like shaky times. So is, but, this, a, is this a scratch or is this a full on gouge? Is, he, a, is he in trouble? He's or? not in trouble. It's okay. a scratch. Um, but he's now like basically sitting in this guy's living room uh, while the battle's going
0: on outside. Mm-hmm. Does this Tanner have an eye for reward? Because I can't think of a better way to get rich than saving the Lord. No, the Tanner again. doesn't get a reward. Uh, or at least not that I know of. Anyways. at least get to pet Clifford?
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, he's actually Clifford's owner. Yeah. Oh! Um, so the battle fights, the king gets shot in the neck, and then it is it is an easy route, and, and the Duke of York wins. Hmm. Ooh. That's bad. And so the usurping army wins, and the Duke of York, they eventually find the king, and they like come into the Tanner's house, and they're like, thanks, Tanner. We'll take it from here, and the Duke of York's like, "Hey, King, we are here to rescue you." King's like, "Yeah, that's not really okay," and he's like, "No, come on, we're rescuing it you." Doesn't feel and the like King's it. like, "Fine," so they rescue the king and they take him back into their side. Meanwhile, they start looking for all those who have died. Lord Clifford, head of the defense, he's died. Oh. He's dead. Lord Clifford is dead. Um, Big Daddy Percy, head of the Percy family, Earl of Northumberland, also dead. Mm. Um, So Big Daddy Percy is dead, and the biggest prize of all, Somerset. Mm. Somerset is killed. Wow. He is, um, while most of the other noble lords flee, Somerset and his 19-year-old son hold out in the bar, and they're in the pub, in the inn, and they are fighting in the inn. Well, if you're going to go. If you're going to go. They're fighting in the inn, and his 19-year-old son is wounded incredibly badly and is carted off probably going to die. Spoiler doesn't die um, but but his son is, is mortally wounded or is, is gravely wounded and Somerset gets dragged out of the bar and killed in the street. Duke, so the what? Earl of or Duke of Somerset dead. Henry Henry's main rival killed at the Battle of St Albans, and this is like the first piece of bloodshed. We're no longer we like stealing people's stuff and uh, like like having dust ups. Somerset's dead. And the king is like, I'm so thankful we saved you. And he takes the king or Duke of York York, says, I'm so thankful we saved you, takes the king back to London, takes him and the king go to church and thank God for like bringing salvation to England. And you can imagine the king's being like, "Okay," Mm. (laughs) Um, And then they have a victory parade. Where when the king is there, the king is kind of like not into this parade, but he, you know, there he is. And Duke, Duke of York does this big showing, this big showy um, you know, event of giving the crown to the king. Like he hands the crown to, the, to Henry VI, and Henry VI puts it on and is like, awesome, thumbs <laughs> up, cool. Uh, and Duke of York is like, finally, the realm has been saved by the, the scourge of Somerset. And this brings us into essentially like a four-year uneasy truce from 1456 to 1459. Okay, well.
2: So is yeah. the Duke of York kind of in charge at this point?
1: So the Duke of York now becomes like the the right hand to the king. To the king. Yeah, which is what, which Somerset, is what Somerset was. Somerset was. was.
2: Yeah. Doesn't that kind of solve the problem from before? Like it does. There's no longer that conflict of who should be the right. That's right. There
1: person. is no longer that conflict. Um, the Duke of York is Duke of York is there. He can sort of do um, do some sort of. He, he is good administratively, and right. men trust him, and um, he has always shown himself to be able to. Take charge of Ireland and France well, and he's sort of pacified them whenever he's been there. Mm-hmm. So you know there is an argument argument to be made that this could go well, um, but Margaret is ticked. Of course. Her ally, Somerset, has just been hacked to death in the street, and everyone's being like, yay, problem
0: solved. And isn't this, like, a weird tension where the king knows that his great advisor could at any point supplant him with his army?
1: And has a claim to the throne. And has a claim to the throne. I I would be super uneasy as a king. Now, Margaret is— That's a recipe for poison. That's what that is. Margaret is worried for one person in particular, baby Prince Edward. She is worried for Bonnie Prince Edward, that he is going to be in danger. (laughs) fell on an axe. That's right. And so Margaret is upset, and she realizes that this is this is a big deal. No longer, this isn't just like a bunch of guys like chesting at each other. This is finally bloodshed, and something kind of clicks in Margaret, and she decides what she sort of if she was ever holding back in her desire to sort of throw her weight around politically, she doesn't. She stops holding back, and the full force of Margaret's abilities she brings to the forefront, and she's not going to allow herself to be sort of told that she can't um, have any sort of political power. She is the regent to the king to the future king of England. that gives her some authority sure. Henry VI seems to slip into some melancholy and he spends a lot of time um, planning his tomb. <laughs>
2: But it's not—it's <laughs> not as bad as before.
1: Not it's as bad. Melancholy. No, not that kind of melancholy. Yeah. But he's just sort of like, "Oh man, I'm sick of this whole thing," and so he takes up a passion project, and the project that he takes up is like he designs what his tomb is going to look like.
2: You I don't, can I don't,
1: <laughs> bro. I know. Yeah, I, don't, I don't uh, love it. Yeah. Um, Dan Jones, who writes in his book about the uh, the Duke of York, or sorry, the War of the Roses, says that um, that after this, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's see, he says. He had begun planning his tomb in Westminster Abbey and at times acted as though he were ready to crawl up into it.
2: <laughs>
1: Oof. Oof. So he's like planning his tomb and he'll be saying things about like the cruelty of the world and the weight of the crown and how and sort of like the how the sin of mankind is besmirches us all. And if we could just go to the bosom of our father and this kind of stuff. Right. He Pretty is
0: cloudy outside. Yeah. It, that's it, just yes. The way
1: it is. is Eeyore. Right. Yeah, okay. So pious Eeyore. Pius <laughs> so Pious yes, Eor is
0: in charge. Pretty cloudy, I guess. I'll just pray about it.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> planning his tomb. <laughs> and Margaret then decides that she's going to consolidate power. So those four years that Henry is kind of at his ascendancy and is in charge, Margaret spends the whole time essentially slowly, slowly chipping away at his authority. There's a bunch of things that she does, and we don't need to get into them, but they're essentially the, just these slow chippings away um, uh, of being able to, like, take away his authority. And... Um, And so she begins to grow in power. And remember, everyone's kind of ticked at the Duke of York. Remember, all those guys who are at the Battle of St. Albums were not partisan. They were all different, differing sides of things. And everyone's kind of like, ugh, that was a pretty big overreach. This is noble shedding noble blood. This is a bad deal. So there's a lot of sympathy for Margaret as she's consolidating power. And everyone's kind of hoping that, oh, man, Prince Edward, we... Please be dope, because if you are, like, smart and cool, then we're going to be just fine, and you're, like, your snotty dad, or your dad can sort of, like, retire or whatever. So everyone's kind of hoping that this kid is good. Um, meanwhile, um, that really rich Somerset girl, uh, Margaret, Summer, uh, Margaret Somerset, uh, she gets married. Okay. She's only 12, which is kind of awkward, uh, but she gets married to the king's half-brother, Edmund Tudor. So Edmund Tudor, uh, who is of a line that is going to be very important in the future. Edmund Tudor marries 12-year-old Margaret de Beaufort, and she's the niece of dead Somerset. Mm -hmm. And she is rich. So all of a sudden, Edmund Tudor is stinking rich, one of the richest dudes in England, married to this 12-year-old girl, Margaret Beaufort. Um, Pretty early into their marriage, um, she gets pregnant. So she's pregnant by like 13 and Edmund dies of plague. So Edmund dies of the plague, uh, and he just sort of gets sick and dies. And Margaret Beaufort is pregnant at very and, – and even at the time, you know, women were married young, but everyone was like, whew, that's young. And she's pregnant at 13, and people were like, oh, that poor girl. She gives birth to uh, a, a son named Henry, um, and it is a very traumatic birth for Margaret. As a young, yeah. almost like as a child, and she right. gives birth to this kid named Henry, and she's like, "Well, I'm never doing that again," <laughs> and she doesn't, and okay. she like never marries. I don't know if she ever marries, but she never has another child, and so she's got this one kid. His name is Henry Tudor, and he is eventually going to be Henry the Seventh, wow. the King of England, of the two. Tu- Spoilers, man. Sorry. Anyway, Henry Tudor. So, <laughs> yeah. but. It's the Tudor line. Yeah. It's Henry VIII's dad. All right. Anyway, Henry Tudor is born, well, Margaret, yeah. Margaret, uh, uh, 13-year-old birth, and she's like, well, that sucked, and is never doing that again, and doesn't. Okay. So there's this kid. So anyway, just as a little aside, Henry Tudor is alive. Okay. Uh, but she was absolutely traumatized. No more kids. So Somerset died, and Percy, Duke of Northumberland, died. And they had sons. Somerset's son was 19-year-old. Um, uh, uh, oh, is his name Henry, which is unfortunate. This is where it gets really confusing because everybody's named Henry. Somerset's got a kid. We'll just call him New Somerset. So New Somerset's around. And he was 19 when his dad got killed and he was mortally wounded. And yes. he is not a happy camper and wants revenge on the Yorks. Um, Henry Percy, Big Daddy Percy, died. And he left his son, also named Henry Percy, which is really un- un- unhelpful. Oh, yeah, and, uh, and New Beaufort is also Henry Beaufort. Great. So there's Henry Beaufort, Henry Percy, Henry the VI. Uh, this is, you know, not helpful. Lots of Henrys. A lot of Henry. So, uh, new Somerset, or new Beaufort, and uh, new daddy Percy. They're young men. I think, I think uh, Percy's, not, or Percy's like in his late 20s, and Beaufort is like 21 now. and He's ticked. He's recovered from his wound. And he's coming for, he's coming for Duke of York. All right, then it's court. It's time for court. And, um... Uh, everyone gets together, and again, armies are raised, and they come, and they're going to uh, do parliament and have court, and Henry's like, no, we're, Henry VI is like, we're not having another fight, we're not having another bloodshed, and he comes to court, and new Somerset and new Daddy Percy come with their armies, and Duke of York comes with his armies, and there's a big bro off outside, and this is not a good thing, but they hammered out a truce. They hammered out a truce that they weren't going to fight that day and they could do enough. They could sort of like figure out how they're going to do parliament and you're going to be on this seat and you're going to be on that council. And they hammered out this truce. And Henry VI was like, awesome. Maybe this can be what we do moving forward. And then when, when they're about to break from their truce meetings, Henry says, I have a great idea. We are all going to go to church and we are all going to parade to church. And I want you to – Henry's like, I want you to find the person you hate the most – and you were going to walk to church arm in arm with them. And Henry the Sixth declared this Love this Day. Love? Yeah. This is Love Day. Yeah. Oh so,
0: no. So. It sounds like a bad. He made idea. all <laughs> it of the like really bad. So, idea. so he made all the enemies who really hate each other hold go hands and go and to arm. church. That Sounds terrible. So. But I mean, how can you fight on your way to church? Mm-hmm. That feel that would feel a little wrong, I guess.
2: There's also something funny about like publicly acknowledging like this is my greatest enemy. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's just like, so he's like, so hey, Daniel, <laughs> to, <it was> like, <laughs> you want to go to church? It's like, oh, yeah. oh me. Really? So you had to <laughs> go. Sorry, sorry, bud.
1: <laughs> you had to go find your, your most hated enemy,
0: clasp his hand, and uh, walk to church. What if you're the guy that like three dudes come up and they're like, hey, do you want to go to church? you're like, oh
2: what man, are you going with? That's oh. my, I hate him more. I hate him more. <laughs> right here. Um,
0: yeah.
1: you the prettiest girl at the ball. The most, <laughs> and most hated. Still. Margaret and Duke of York go off arm in oh arm to church oh as the greatest enemies. Oh. And the king is beside himself. He's Whoa. like, the realm is healed. This is Love Day. Happy Love Day, everybody! And they all Happy Love Day, and they all go to church and they have a church service on Love Day. So that's Love Day. Sorry, I don't know if that's exciting enough for you.
0: That I was mean, it. It actually is kind of nice. That's, so that's Henry VI called
1: it Love Day, and off they go. Um, uh, Queen Margaret at this point had enough political power that she started, was she was able to like slowly kind of fire people who were loyal to the to Duke of York. Um, but there was one guy she couldn't fire, and that was Warwick. And we remember Warwick, yeah. hot-headed Warwick. He is now in charge of Calais. And he's in charge of Calais, and he's basically, the way I've heard it described was he was essentially, like, using Calais almost like, as, like, a pirate base. Like, they couldn't really do anything in France, but the French couldn't take them out of Calais, so he was just, like, getting out in boats and robbing people and <laughs> bringing it back to Calais. Fun. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. So he was using Calais as a pirate base, and eventually um, Margaret said, Hey, I have some business with you. You have to come back to England. Warwick's like, I don't know. Sound, I don't know if that's real. And yeah. she's like, No, I'm the queen. You have to do it. And He's like, Fine. So he comes back to England, and uh, he's lured home. And to this day, we have no idea what happened. We don't know what happened in the room, but there was some sort of scuffle. And Warwick claims that he was tried that someone tried to murder him, and he escaped, and he ran away, and he ran up to the Duke of York at uh, up north. We don't know if this is true. Like, does Warwick say what? Warwick said that so he got in there and like there was a scuffle back and forth oh. and so, someone tried to murder me okay. and I, I escaped. Okay. And the Queen's like that didn't happen. And Warwick's <laughs> like yes, he tried to murder. me. We don't know if Warwick was saying this as a like a political move? as a political right. move as like a red flag or as a, like a false flag to to get a uh, to start up a fighting again, right. which is what's going to happen. Right. Or if the Queen did try to off him. Right. Anyway, he goes up and people start hearing this and the Yorkist loyalists start to muster armies in the north. And the northern king loyalists try to muster up armies. We're almost done for today. We'll, we'll sort of end here. Um, and um, and there, so there's this, uh, this lower lord that was loyal to York named Salisbury. And he gets his dudes and he starts marching uh, and getting his, his armies up uh, to maybe go to Ludlow Castle where the Duke of York has his force. So Salisbury's bringing his pretty big army to Ludlow Castle where the Duke of York is to be like, it's on. Let's do this thing. Um, and he is stopped by uh, a loyalist to the king named Audley, uh, A U D L E Y. Audley, Audley, Audley. Audley. <laughs> Audley. Yeah, I'm a poor, poor guy. God. And he's old. Old man Audley yeah, uh, has his force. And Audley was a guy he could throw down in, in his day. He was uh, he was like a Talbot type. He a name fight. like that. He was a fighter. Audley. Yeah. So Salisbury and Audley they sort of square off, and um, they start fighting. They have they actually have this sort of little pit, this little battle. Um, and um, uh, uh, Salisbury does that thing where he pretends to retreat and Audley does that thing where he is an idiot and follows after Mm it Mm. and charges all of his cavalry down this hill and they have to ford this stream and once they ford the stream they can route the the, quote-unquote retreating army. Well, they weren't retreating. It was a ruse and as soon as the horses got in the water, Salisbury's men turned around and started shooting them with bows and arrows Mm. and Audley's pretty big cavalry unit all got butchered in this stream whoa, whoa, whoa. and right. for like hundreds of years in that little village in the north of England they knew it as dead man's den
2: wow.
1: um, I think something like 2,000 men were killed it actually wow. turned to be this really big bloody affair wow. it started off as like what people thought was a skirmish and then it just escalated into this like slaughter right But Salisbury lost a bunch of men. So this was like a – it was a Pyrrhic victory. Salisbury won, but he didn't win. They almost decimated each other's armies. Audley was killed. All of his men were pretty much routed or killed. And Salisbury lost so many men that when he came to the Duke of York, the Duke was like, seriously, this is all you got? Mm. And uh, Salisbury's like, yeah, man, sorry. Um, And the Duke of York realized, whew, my forces are pretty thin. And he's up in his castle. And at this point, Margaret has, has is now at the head of the king's army, and so she rides the army into into she rides the king's army to Ludlow Castle. Wow. What a boss! <laughs> I know. So she brings the the full force of the king's army to Ludlow Castle, and this is the like the family home of the Duke of York. And the Duke of York, just with this like stupid fight that just happened in Dead Man's Den, has lost a major forces of his army, and the rest of his troops are not mobilized in Wales or whatever. And he's in his castle with a pretty sizable army, but he is not going to win this battle. Right. And she comes up, and she basically like pitches her army outside Ludlow, and she's like, what are you going to do about it? And Duke of York and Warwick realize, all right, if we fight, we're going to lose. If they siege us, we're going to lose. If we, you know, throw arms against the queen, we are going to be branded as traitors forever. And very, uh, and so what, uh, in the middle of the night, York and Warwick and all of his guys sneak out of Ludlow Castle, leave his army behind, and the Duke of York leaves behind his wife, Cecily, Mm. and his two sons, um, Edward and- Henry. No, not Henry. <laughs> good guess. Edward and the other guy. Um, Clarence, I think. Um, anyway, so he leaves behind his two young, young sons, escapes in the night, very, and, and like his reputation is pretty much sullied yeah, because uh, of this. Yeah. But he, hey, it was probably a good move. He escapes to fight another day. He leaves. His army is now commanderless. They basically like put in a half-hearted fight. The queen absolutely decimates them, and she sacks Ludlow Castle. She so she burns down the Duke wow. of York's house. Yeah. So she Dang. sacks Ludlow's castle. I mean, did it burn real good? I, I don't know. If it's made I of guess. stone. Like uh, that seems like, have, like a more symbolic little, gesture. They have than like anything, maybe right? little lean tos that uh, <laughs> leaned up against it. I burned your shack. But she she gonna like burn his you know all his stuff anyway. Yeah, so fair. she sacks the castle, takes all his stuff, and basically lets Cecily, uh, Duchess of York, and her two boys. She's basically like out, and she kicks them out, and they gotta like walk. Her and her, her and her, like, you know, her t- not toddlers, probably like maybe like 10 year old kids, her like 10 year old and seven year old and, and the Duchess of York have to like slog it in the mud to the nearest town to like send word that they're alive. <laughs> um, and so Dude. the queen has sacked Ludlow Castle. The Duke of York has now escaped. And um, and it's pretty much on like yeah. the, the blood has been spilt. Um, the queen has sacked another noble lord's house. The Duke of York's not going to be happy. Yeah, so it's um, it's pretty much war now. So it is war now. So yeah, um, and you, honestly, you like Cecily, Duchess of York, she probably has a bone to pick with Richard too. Like that's mm-hmm. that's that's kind of hurts yeah. if your if your husband like escapes in the middle of the night and leaves you and your boys there to. So like, she didn't know that was happening. She did not know that the castle was getting sacked. Dirty. Or maybe she did, and she was like, "We'll stay behind." But if she, but anyway, right. so that's where we we'll end here. Is yeah. that the queen is now fully in this Somerset, her buddy. I don't think they were lovers because she really did love Henry. Um, but Somerset and her buddy are has been killed, and now she is, well, she's fighting for, essentially, her son to stay alive. If, if this has gone to bloodshed, and you're going to kill a noble, what's going to stop you from killing a prince? Right, right. What's Henry um, up to?
0: Is he still, like, working on his
1: tomb? He's working on his tomb, and he's sort of at home. Um, so not useful. He's not useful. There's going to be another battle coming up where they dress him in, like, re- re- resplendent gold armor. But he spends the whole battle just sort of sitting in his tent. And when the battle's done and they come into his tent, he's like, "Is it done?" They're like, "Yeah, it's done." He's like, "Okay." He takes off his armor. So Henry is not—he's—he's uh, he's given up. He's
0: really not up for it.
1: He's not up no. for it. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, there's there's a time where he gets to wander. They actually—they lose him at some point. Like he so walks, walks off and they're like, anybody know where Henry is? And nope, no one knows where he is. And he walks off. So he really didn't have the makeup for a king. He didn't have the makeup no. for a king, so he gets lost for a spell. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, so that's, that's our story for today. Um, for just to whet people's appetites on the in-between, uh, I, I have another little like, sort of thought about showcasing how the War of the Roses is this big change from medieval England with its sort of social ties to a more modern idea
0: of a state but we can talk about the end of the in-between. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, this has been Classical Stuff You Could Know. You can always check you out- You could know? Could
2: know. You could know it.
0: You could know it. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. you listen- should know. After listening to our episodes.
0: Uh, I mean, you know, potato, potato. <laughs> uh, well, this has been Classical Stuff You Could Know. Well, that's clearly a downgrade. <laughs> That is a downgrade. It is a downgrade. I'm sorry, guys. So it's stuff you should know. And you can check out our website at, at classicalstuff.net. You can email us at theguys at classicalstuff.net. And tweet at us at stuff. We still can't get that at classicalstuff thing
2: from I haven't not tried for a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's doing this dirty Twitter. Yeah, If you're listening, Elon, fix it. buddy. Oh, yeah, Elon. Come on, New man. management. We should try again. Yeah, we should. Uh, anyway. Yeah, and we we try to answer as many emails as we can and you can always patronize us as well. If you like our content, you can support us and, you know, throw us a couple of bucks here and there. Anyway, for us three guys, this is classical stuff signing off. We'll see you next Bye. time. Bye. Bye.